The podcast which you are about to hear is politically incorrect and offensive. The opinions expressed by the three assholes recording it are done so solely for comedy purposes. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Whiskey Reel. Four and three and two and one. No reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of good or evil. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Your mother sucks big fucking elephant dicks. Got that? Come on now, dog. You know I give you the mad, fat, superfly, stupid, dope, dumbass, retarded, bomb shit props. Take a big step back and literally fuck your own face! I'm just trying to delete the shit out of this. <laughs> Alright, this is um, a classic <laughs> giving us something like this. This yeah. is not the first time. And we can't, I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, that won't um, be part of it. Okay, but it, yes it is. <laughs> and it's rotten. Or I'll just be about his fucking name. <laughs> It's rotten. <laughs> and it hurts. I mean, it's not bad. No, we'll, we'll talk about what we're talking about because we're it's talk about hyper special. <sighs> um, <laughs> Bobby, when's the last time you've deleted text messages? Only when I don't want to see what I said wrong. Oh, really? Do you yeah. do that? Oh, yeah. Have you yeah. ever deleted a text message because you were with somebody that you know has your password? No. Okay, good. Because that's fucking creepy. No, I literally get rid of it because I can't see. <laughs> You're just burying your head in the sand. What dude. a fucking dirtbag I, I love was. It. I fucking love it. <laughs> You're like, I'm deleting it. Never happened. Never happened. Never happened. Um, but you know who is deleting text messages? Um, there's a band of men that are assigned to the president that are called the Secret Service. And uh, their job, and they're usually like definitely ex-military, ex-FBI, CIA, they're NSA. They're usually already part of a really like, you know, scary group of people with three letters typically. And then they get assigned to Secret Service work. And their sole mission in life is to protect the president, the president's family, the vice president, the vice president's family, typically, typically. Um but that's their job. And it was recently discovered and that the the director of the Homeland Sec- of Homeland Security, DHS, he said, not just some secretary, not some person who was in a coffee shop that saw this. This is the director of Homeland Security said he saw Secret Service um, folks deleting tweets from January 5th and January 6th. Yeah. Texts. In texts. I'm sorry, I said tweets. Texts. Um, which I asked you. My first thought was, okay, how do you prove it? And then I asked you, can they retrieve those? Yes. Okay. Because nothing is deleted forever in our new world, right? You can delete it from your device. Right. But believe me when I tell you that still exists. It's on a router somewhere. It's on a server somewhere. That information exists, but what you're going to be dealing with now is subpoenas and, to providers, right? And making sure that providers will honor the subpoena, give you the information. And again, we don't know what's in those texts, but why delete them? That's, know, I mean, we, we know why. We know why. Because <laughs> what do you think old uh, Trumpy Pants was texting or the, the Secret Service? Like, you guys better start killing some people. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah. We're just supposing. But but it's, a, I mean, Secret Service has a long and, and really impressive history. They do their, they take their job super seriously. They do it very, very well. There's only been two presidents that have been assassinated. And one of them, there wasn't even a Secret Service. And the other one, it was pre-fucking satellite GPS. Ever since technology has gotten to where it's gotten in the 90s, there's, I mean, there was a famous attempt on Reagan where a Secret Service, uh, Bradley got hit in the head, still lived. Um, But outside of that, you know, we don't know how many, like... Didn't didn't one gal take a poke at Gerald Ford, too? But but like literally a poke, like tried to punch him? Yeah, I don't, but... 
for the most part. Like serious attempts on somebody's yeah, life. Doesn't really happen. And that a lot to do is the FBI, obviously, and a lot but a lot to do is also the Secret Service. Yeah. They they do their jobs extremely well and it was a little disheartening. To hear that, I wonder if they were ordered to delete their tweet, or that's, their, their texts. That's my question. Were they ordered directly, just delete all these Like texts? by him? Yes. Like if they have a text that says, and now I want you to delete everything we talked about. Yeah. Or something. That would obviously imply guilt. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to fuck. These motherfuckers got no idea. Like they've been digging up shit. They're making it slow. It's redundant. A lot of the testimony. Yes. But that's for a reason. They are literally covering every single facet of the potentiality of, of, of this moving forward into the criminal. No one just, no prosecutor is just going to fly off the handle and hand down an indictment. Against the ex-president. With, against a man of this <laughs> yeah, stature without knowing goddamn well that it's going to work out in their favor, right? 100%. Or at least the their preponderance of evidence points in that direction. So they're building a case. And you're, you brought up a good point, which we have mentioned before, but it's still fun to bring up. And who's responsible for the DOJ? Merrick Garland. Boy, that name rings a bell. Who is he, Bobby? Well, (laughs) (laughs) if he was on the Supreme court, He'd be a less of a thorn in their side than he is right now. Amen. I can tell you that. Amen. And that was that Mc- uh, fucking McConnell lame duck president shouldn't put in a fucking. Meanwhile, the last two weeks of Donald Trump's presidency, he put in Amy Coney Barrett. So yeah. obviously the same rules don't apply for each side. Who's right? a little bit of a cuckoo bird. She is a nutter butter. Yeah. Um, it's We've already talked about SCOTUS, the Supreme Court. You know what they affect, but... Uh, she lo- has a loyalty card at Shooters. <laughs> and do you think she's going to be able to get reimbursed? I don't now think that, she's going to be able to. Now that to, Shooters uh, is closed? She can't redeem those. Do you, <laughs> the, do you know? The free boneless wings <laughs> <laughs> at Shooters that she had coming to her. <laughs> the quart of donkey sauce that was coming to Um <laughs> And from what I understand, our favorite Congresswoman, Lauren Boebert, who obviously is our favorite, um, her and her husband were evicted. They didn't even like leave of their own accord. No. They were evicted. So It's amazing. Okay. Technically, I don't think they were evicted. Technically. They used that word, though. The owner decided not to renew their lease. And I think the reasons with the... With the prevailing winds, it was a pot shop. Gun control and everything that's going on with Bobert and everything's going on with that side of the aisle. Yeah. I think the owner of that building was just like, nah. I'm not putting myself through this. I, I mean, I could put a fucking Schlotzky's in here. And do just fine. Do fine. And they'll pay their bills. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bobert's asking for PPP loans. And then complaining about those loans to everybody else. And then also looking for infrastructure money um, after shooting down the infrastructure bill. They're good people. They're just good people. She's a piece of work. Boy. Um, Anywho, that's at this point, we just (laughs) have to assume that. We talk about her enough that we both have a huge crush on her. I don't. That, <laughs> I, she, she's one of Nobody those, talks this much about another person. I don't know this many dumber people. We talk about MTG and her because they, they're endless sources of content God, for us. They, yeah, they, they just are, can't get out of their own way, dude. They are a it's, godsend. They are a godsend to podcast people yes. everywhere. A um, couple other things to touch on just because it was funny. Um, as you well know at this point, the boyfriends have broken up. The lovers are gone now. Elon, and uh, who we found out was an uncle cousin earlier. Um, Elon, the uncle cousin. We'll explain that. And our <laughs> favorite president, number four to five, Donald Trump, have broken up. I'm sorry, guys. I hate to give you the bad news. I know they made a lovely couple, but apparently um, they don't like each other anymore because Elon... Uh, called Trump out on a lie and then it spun out of control from there. But um, you can go back and replay clip after clip of people espousing the virtues of Elon Musk and what a savior for free speech and fuck you liberals. I know you're mad, but we're going to get him in there and get Trump back on Twitter. And So Elon pulled out of the deal 
Now, he might be on the hook for some cash because yes. of it. We don't know about that yet. Either way, um, it's amazing when you see the grifting, sycophantic pieces of shit that are the right-wing media like Shapiro and Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity all have to take it all back after spending days and days and hours you know, just completely shitting on l- fucking libtards uh, for you're mad now. We got our guy, and as 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 luck would have it, yeah, um, hilarious. So whole well, lot to do about <clears throat> nothing. Man. Let's face it: in the '80s, when Reagan rolled back the fairness doctrine, oh yeah, and basically created modern cable news networks. Yes, he created a 24-hour news cycle. That well, he didn't create it. I mean, that it was guy, created. He couldn't spell his own fucking name at that point. But um, mommy, he couldn't tell a red jelly bean from a black jelly bean. <laughs> um, <laughs> a timely Reagan impression right now would be great. But it it created the culture of hot takes. It did. It did. So the fairness doctrine. If you guys don't know, there used to be a rule, a law that states that news organizations without going down the rabbit hole, essentially have to have a modicum of truth and backed sources. And nowadays it's all hidden under the guise of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So people that look like news people like Hannity and Tucker Carlson, famously, they even said it. We're just entertainers. Unfortunately, dumb people can't separate entertainment from journalism. And now we've arrived what you were talking about, the hot take culture. Yeah. Which is, it, we're that's all we are now. And it's on both sides. I mean, Ew, 100%. The Maddows and the Obermans. 100%. And, yeah, they all do the same shit. They all do the same shit. And it's like you have to have a take today. Right. Because I'm on every day. Every day. And unfortunately, one of those sides tends to... Um, not be propagandistic and use truth, even though it's performative truth, uh, more yeah. than the other side. You don't, you don't, Maddow might not be your cup of tea, but she doesn't go out there and blatantly lie. No. The other side has a tendency to do that. That's, that's kind of the main difference for me. They're harm creators. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's all they do. I don't disagree. Um, what do you, what do you, did you hear any blowback on, did you see any of the, them sucking their thumbs after Elon pulled out? It was hilarious, dude. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's great. Dude. That, that was a win for not for liberals. That was a win for humans. Yeah, for sure, dude. Because he would have come in and yeah. that company would be defunct. And you alluded to this earlier. Elon Musk is his own uncle, uncle I don't know. cousin. How does that work? So <laughs> explain the situation, Bobby, because it's amazing. Elon had a stepsister. His father decided to marry his stepsister. And there's like a 50-year age difference or something yeah. or something. Thereby creating her as his stepmom and stepsister. And then the baby is... And now they have a baby, Elon's father. Uncle? Cousin. Sister. Bro- uncle brother? So the baby is Elon's sibling well when your sister has a kid that's your understood nephew or niece no it's a chart that (laughs) i don't want to try to figure out i mean so it's definitely his sibling right however however also his aunt because i think it's a baby girl oh my god i think it's a baby girl it's also his brother yeah or whatever brother uncle (laughs) cousin I love this. Uh, now, well, this this happens in Arkansas on the reg. It happened as we were talking about it. Yeah, it's there already, was a new yeah. brother, uncle, cousin born. <laughs> we know this. Um, well, good, good for the Musks and their um, land and people raping Emerald Empire. Good job, you guys came from nothing and you just built it. Came from the bottom, right? Mm, it's good to see a you know success story from the people from the bottom just digging up. Uh, like him, he's great. And lastly, lastly, before we head into the introductions, um, it's good also when you shut up before you know uh, the outcomes of situations and not pipe up too quick and commit yourself. Um, there was unfortunately a 10-year-old girl that was raped. They found the rapist and she had to go from Ohio to Indiana to get an abortion. 
or from Indiana to somewhere Iowa. else. Iowa. Sorry. It's all the same state up there for me. Yes. Um, and so that whole bullshit, you know, uh, carrot and stick, like, well, you're going to have people that have been real. Oh, that's never going to happen. That's so rare. Um, literally a month after laying down this thing, here we are. And uh, the Republicans, instead of being sympathetic to the family, decided to just say, that's a big lie. The Democrats are just trying to make up stories to make us look bad. And have subsequently deleted all of their tweets. Yes. Uh, because they were embarrassed and... Um, they actually offered, uh, do you have anything to say to the family, Jim Jordan, who who was the one that called it an outright lie? He said, well, uh, not, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy we caught the illegal alien that did it. <laughs> That's where we're at, everybody. And yeah. on that, <laughs> so, yeah. did well, you hear about her, that? It's her physician. Right. That's being prosecuted. Yeah. 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 And because and he assisted go. her in finding a safe legal abortion right as a 10 year old girl yeah not to carry that baby to term right right and now he's going to be prosecuted maybe for murder maybe maybe so what were you saying bobby about the um the interstate traveling what they're trying to do so yeah now they want a blanket um federal law just saying traveling between states to gain reproductive rights is going to be a crime <laughs> which is Preposterous. So is that the rule now? So like if you come from Arizona to Colorado and smoke pot, they can prosecute you in Arizona? They don't care about that. Oh, fuck. Sorry, man. That. Can I use a trans bathroom in Colorado and then go Ooh. back to Arizona? Ooh, that might, in trouble? that might get spicy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, you know how we do it lately. We got to get it out of our system so we can move on and have a good time. Keep your heads up. Keep smiling, y'all. Um, most importantly, welcome back. Bobby just took a sip of the whiskey and almost killed him. Welcome back to the Whiskey Reel. <laughs> it is the riskiest of wheels and the whiskiest of reels. We are back in Cloud City. It is hotter than the undercarriage of a demon. Yes. Um, demon balls. That's what I'm talking about. Um, it's so goddamn hot right now. That being said, we are... Above all of you, which is actually worse for us because heat rises. So you see that works. Sometimes being in Cloud City ain't all it's cracked up to be. And but our we're, cooler's down. And our cooler's down. Um, <laughs> that being said, we're still living a life of luxury. Um, we are still looking down on you. Trust me, we are. Um, and uh, as we are wont to do, we picked up something to drink. However... Even though the Wagoniest of Wheels is our sponsor, Wagon Wheel Liquor in the Town Center Plaza, they do sponsor this program, and they're dear friends of ours. However, I did not get this from them, but I'm not going to tell you where I got this. Dun, dun, dun. And this wasn't from the rep, because no. they don't play that game. They don't hand out booze for people. That That's like against the law, literally. I had somebody completely unrelated to anybody Drop this in my nest in the morning. Um, and I'm happy they did because it's banana pants. Uh, before we talk about that, let's talk about the man sitting across from me. Future podcaster of the of the new podcast. <laughs> You're correct? The correct answer. The correct answer, which I didn't have the answer for. So that's irony. No, I, and I came up with that title today. Oh, good. So a uh, future podcaster of the correct answer, which is going to be super fun under the Whiskey Reel umbrella. We have uh, one of my dearest friends. He's a mensch. He really is. He wears long sleeve black shirts when it's a thousand <laughs> degrees outside, which means he's cool. It's cooler than you. Um one Mr. Bobbeth Van Noyes of the Tallahassee Van Noises. Hi, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hello to all of you. Hi, baby. First of all, I'm not cool. My engine room is pretty swampy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a little mud butt? <laughs> you know, when you come downtown in the morning in Durango, it could be... It's like 60, 45 to 60 yeah. degrees. Yeah. You never fucking know. Yeah. Yeah. So. But then anyway. it turns into hell. Yes. Um, Which it is right now. It's and I try to limit my sun time. 
Yeah, you don't. Your skin does not like UV rays, brother. No, hates it. it hates tries to it. kill me. It tries, it tries to kill me. Your own skin tries to kill you. It's trying to kill me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting across from me, you can hear that laugh, the the repetitive ums and the laughs and the that's and what, the that's mirth all and about. The, <laughs> No, he's Mr. Antonio Branderas. We think of him as Tony Montanus. He's the general manager of my heart. Oh, yeah. That's uh, beautiful. I think we're going to have a fun one. We were going to have a special guest today, but we had some scheduling shuffles. He'll be here next week. But he's going to be here next week. You so, know him. You love him. You, well, know who you know what we're talking about. Most of you like him. Most. Nobody loves him, but, mostly. His, but God, his parents, and Katie. Uh, he mostly comes at night. <laughs> mostly. Mostly. <laughs> um, Sean Moe, um, our favorite partially downsy kid that we hang out Aww. with. Um, he's a lovely man. He will be here next week. So You cannot sneak up on him. No. His eyes are everywhere. Everywhere. Um, he's a lovely man. Due to some uh, scheduling conflicts, he will not be here this week. He will be there next week. So just stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, we're here. Um, <laughs> he's already mixing it. Um, Tie it barks. Um, so um, let's talk about a little it. bird dropped off something, and believe it or not, it's only a half pint for good plenty for good reason. Um, we did this a, a few couple weeks ago. We did Elijah Craig small batch. We did. Um, this is not that. This is Elijah Craig. So what happens, just to give some insights, it's kind of interesting for you guys that aren't in the business of this. A lot of times, uh, whiskey houses will make special barrelings. They'll get this one mash bill that they think is really different or good or just different. They'll put in a single barrel. And sometimes that barrel is the barrel you're thinking of. And sometimes it's a much bigger barrel. This, however, is going to be off what would be a traditional barrel. And what they do is they pour out some samples of this. They give it to people to try to sell this one single barrel to restaurants and to liquor stores. So that you can say... We own this barrel. You will only find this liquor here. You will not find it anywhere. People do it all the time with tequila, with whiskey. Um, you know, there was a couple places in town recently that bought Herradura barrels. This is back when Foz was selling it because he was a goddamn savage. But a lot of people pre-pandemic would buy a barrel of tequila or something, bottle it, and then they would own that barreling. And as you guys know, because you're all pros, Every single one is different. And it might be minutely different, but it is different. And what this is, is a private barrel program. And this is a sample from that. So what had happened was somebody, and I don't know the restaurant, even if I did, I wouldn't say, but let's just say they are north of us, an area north of us, bought this barrel. So what what they did is they tried to sample all these different restaurants. A restaurant bought this. Cool. Well, what do you do with the leftovers? You don't sell it anymore. No. So you got a bunch of samples banging around in your bag or in your garage, which is what most reps have to do. And they're like, you know, here, would you like to try it? That's not what happened to me. I got this from somebody who was sampling, not from the sampler. So just don't get it twisted. I don't want to. Chris Forrest is the gentleman who carries this line, and he had nothing to do with this, just for the record, guys. Um, however... Uh, this is something you don't get to see every day. It's Elisha Craig, Kentucky Straight, 133 proof. Um, I did not mistakenly say that. No. Um, from what I understand, Elisha Craig has seven floors. And based on the where the um, where it's located in the Rick House, uh, this is on the sixth floor because they label it as such, which is very cool. Um, every, every floor gets different. 
the higher you go, we just talked about heat rising, the warmer it is. So that can do a couple things. It can create a, a faster angel share, which is the burn off, but it can also allow the oak to open up more because it's hot. So you can play with the height differentials. And yeah, it can make a huge difference from 80 feet in the air to the ground is a tremendous amount of difference for the way the wood reacts. So we got this little beauty um, and we actually originally tasted it with uh, one of the best one of the best guys in town. Definitely one of the best GMs in town, Mr. Yes. Dave Woodruff over at El Moro. Friend just to the, get his friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast. He's a good man. Um, <clears throat> and he's got a creepy porn stash now. Which makes them even better. It's pretty creepy. It's pretty, pretty creepy. Um, I tasted it was him. I was like, hey, man, do you want to taste this? Tell me your thoughts. Because I really respect his opinion. And um, I thought what he said was pretty on the nose. Right? Did you, did you get what he was kind of putting down? Uh, no. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. No. Okay. What, what do you think about it then, first so, and foremost? What I think about it... Here's the problem with these types of um, products. Okay. The high proofing makes it so challenging to actually delve into what we're doing is the smart thing. We're diluting. Heavy dilution. We're letting it become like a normal whiskey again. (laughs) The first thing that David said is like, oh, shit, when you get your nose in there, you know what I mean? Those those alcohol vapors you that lose blow it. off, it'll it'll literally singe your nose hair. It feels like it feels like it doesn't literally do. Well, it, but. it's but it's detrimental to tasting the whiskey. Yeah, it burns out all your olfactory. Man. You know what right. I mean? Um, and I don't remember everything that Dave said, but the barreling on it, uh, I agree with him on the barreling. Thank God that <clears throat> this has a heavy barrel to it um, because it is such a high proofing that. This would be a challenging whiskey for most people. Um, and this is and not, and the beautiful part about this, nobody's going to try it unless no. you go to that restaurant. I know normally we would tell you guys this is something you should buy, put it in your home bar. You no, literally you, can't. You're never going to taste unless this unless you get lucky and walk into this restaurant. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, that happens to be in Colorado. Yep. So you're take you're never going to taste this. Um, but it's a testament to the commitment of certain uh, production lines. To do the best they can. Um, like Elijah Craig, their bottom basement is um, Evan Williams, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they make the, the 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 contender to Jack Daniels, which is hilarious. But they also make, we they've won Whiskey of the Year. Their B210 that we did years ago was Whiskey of the Year. I got a hold of a bottle of that. We just did their small batch. Fantastic bourbon. Um this is, I mean, the, like you said, the proofing overruns the bourbon. Yes. Um, however, taking a step forward, um, this is really bomb ass shit to mix with. Like, oh, this yeah. would be so fun to do a heavy bourbon drink with yes. Boulevardier. Yes. Something with some ass to it, some junk, some wagon, some thick, some thick thicks. Um, it's, it's got all the bourbon characteristics. The barreling is awesome. Actually, you get some weird, like I was saying to, uh, when we were tasting with Dave, he was like, yeah, it's got all the hits, the caramels and everything. And I kept testing, like I, I got stone fruit. I got like apricots and red apple, which is not out of the ordinary for a bourbon at all. And then I got this weird thing. I got sesame. And it's just, have you ever been to a sesame seed? That oily seed sort of taste? There was something very reminiscent of that in this. And it it wasn't unpleasurable. It was really, really good. Um, Oh, I just realized. It's pretty toasty, toasted coconut. Yeah, a lot of coconut on the nose. And that's the American oak gives off coconut, spearmint, as well as vanilla and caramel and nutmeg and cinnamon and all that stuff. But... I think he was right. I've tasted he being Woodruff. I think he was right. I've tasted other high proofed kind of specialty bourbons before, and they could be a little bit more viscous and substantial. Yeah, you can chew on it a little more. This is all all fucking treble, no bass, right? Yeah. It just dances across the top of your mouth and disappears, and then rips through your fucking digestive system. Oh, dude. <laughs> 
it's, I, th- I think my intestines are glowing like E.T. right now. Yeah, for sure, dude. Oh, my Whoa. God. Whoa. Turn on Whoa. your hot light <laughs> in the middle of... All right. Uh, that being said, go buy Elijah Craig, but you can't buy this because we're better than you. And And honestly, I'll be... Really frank. I mean, I know you always say it's the competitor to Jack Daniels, and it is, but Evan Williams is a superior product to Jack Daniels. To Jack, 100%. 100%. And it's also 30% cheaper. And it's cheaper, and they have a really nice bottled and bond. They do. We did that. We did that. Evan Williams is a pretty goddamn good home bar Mixing bourbon, dude. Yeah, if sure. you're if you're if you're a whiskey coke, whiskey ginger guy, oh man, go buy Evan Williams. It's Absolutely. the best mixing of that tier. Yeah, if you're just wanting to highball it, go for it, man. Have fun. Just go for it. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, we we Bobby brought, and we'll listen to the song that Bobby brought, which is one of our favorite oh, yeah. artists. That being said, though, it brought something to my attention and kind of opened up my mind as far as um, what. The, what we should do for the podcast once we get through our, our you know, ranting about the government and uh, the whiskey. And it really brought to mind this gentleman that we're going to play later, I would definitely consider a wordsmith. Um, he is known for his lyrical abilities, his written word. And the gentleman I'm bringing to the program music is the same kind of guy. So I said, you know what? Let's take a step back and let's talk about movies. Best written movies. And you had an interesting response to that. You you had mentioned there's two different ways to look at this. Yeah. Um, so there's there's writing a film, there's writing a screenplay. Like literally the script. The how it plays out. Right. What are you know, that that's a well written movie. It's a right. three act structure, it works perfectly. Sure. Then there's dialogue. And we get caught up in dialogue. I think that's for the sure. natural. So there's two ways, three ways really to look at this. There's a movie that has great dialogue, hopefully carried out by really good actors. Mm-hmm. There's a movie that's just incredibly well written, and pretty much anybody could be carried along by that by that screenplay. Or there's something that's just dog shit <laughs> and has neither. Right. You know what I mean? And all of those variables as well. There's scripts that aren't very strong scripts that are great movies simply because of the acting and the directing. They're lifted by the dialogue and the acting. And, 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 you know, maybe it would be fun to think of are there scripts that were written really well that shit the bed because of the acting? We might have to, you know, strain our brains a little longer for that. But we just thought... Whatever iteration of what you think best written, I consider best written um, very dialogue driven. Um, not just the storyline, that's important, of course, but the literal dialogue in the movie. And, and yeah. some movies that stood out to me that stand out to Bobby um, as being just fucking tightly written gems. Um, and which might exclude some like Oscar award winning f- movies. Like we talked Godfather. Is Godfather written well as a movie? Yeah, because the subject matter is so interesting. But is it like dialogue wise? Was it, I mean, you had the Fredo and Michael scene and there There's was great scenes. moments. There was moments, but I wouldn't consider that a dialogue driven movie. Not like right? Goodfellas being the, it's closest Comparison for most right. people, a hundred percent, tremendously written movie and incredible dialogue, and with incredible actors. Arguably yeah, the most the quotable movie ever fucking oh my God. made. Dude. You, you, I mean, you're using it for your other podcast. I am. Go get the, your shine box. Go get your shine box. It still plays. <laughs> um, speaking of gangster movies, my first movie that came up because it's kind of one of my little um, things I hold close to my heart is Usual Suspects. Ooh. Um, the interplay, and, and, and again, not only is this well written as a kind of who done it, and written as a surprise reveal, um, but the dialogue and the acting are so incredibly strong. And this had guys like Kevin Pollock and Stephen Baldwin in it. Yeah. So to make those dipshits fucking look good, it takes a monumental effort. You know, but you also Pollock's not that bad. Yeah, he's fine. 
<laughs> he always plays the annoying little Stephen guy. Stephen Baldwin's terrible. He's a horrible person. Yeah, and a bad person now, too. But, yep. but you had Benicio. You had Kevin oh. Spacey. I know, but he's a good actor before this. And you got Gabriel Byrne, who's like a, a, a he's like a, a goddamn legend, as far as I'm concerned. 100%. That guy's done so much goddamn good work. But I thought anything by Mamet, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross being... Mamet should almost be, when we're talking about wordsmiths, should almost be in his own category. Because yeah, he does as his a own playwright, yeah. he he lives in that world. That's all he does. And, is, but to transfer it to celluloid or transfer it to digital. Which is very impressive. Yeah. And he's had mixed reviews on sure. how he's translated. But yeah. dude, obviously Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Easy. House of Games. House of Games. Fucking fantastic yep. movie. I love the Spanish Prisoner. I Spanish think that's Prisoner a, was good. Yeah. Wonderful. He he he's not a home run every time, but no. at least he hits he hits a double or a triple every yes. time. And Mammoth's up his own ass anyway, so whatever, fuck him. But as a playwright, theater playwright, he's kind of unrivaled in so, in that genre. Yeah, the guy that I'll look it up, but the guy that did In Bruges is another one. He's a playwright as well. Right. Um, that's a great movie too. God the last damn. movie I'll talk about with Mamet, and this might be my favorite film of his when it comes to dialogue. What's that? His dialogue is better than the film. Is um, the uh, Spartan with Val Kilmer? Oh God, so underrated. That movie needs to be seen. Yeah, the dialogue. It, he tells you nothing. No, for two acts. Yeah, you have no fucking idea what's going on in that movie. Yeah. You can't take your eyes off of it. And right. You can't take your eyes off of Val Kilmer's performance because his dialogue is so perfect. Yeah. Um, I would agree. If you guys haven't seen Spartan, it's kind of a thri- uh, spy thrillery sort yeah. of fucking. That's the vein it's in. But Mamet wrote it. Val Kilmer's in it at his prime Ooh. of acting. And um, believe it or not, the kid could act. Um, I know he had some issues later and we talked to Maverick, but. Val Kilmer was not to be fucked with um, for a period of his career. Uh, that's a great call. Um, I was thinking some more modern ones like Baby Driver. I thought the dialogue in that and the the pacing of the 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 movie. I know that's one of your favorites. Um, yeah. That's a layup for you. That was phenomenal. And then you brought up one that I thought was super interesting. You brought up a Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank. For you Cusack fans out there. It's really interesting to me because Gross Point Blank. Explain um, the premise. John Cusack wrote the screenplay. And it is about a very, very successful hitman that's going through essentially kind of a midlife crisis. Right. And decides to go back to his high school reunion and, of course, meets up with the girl that he abandoned on prom night. <laughs> right, of course. Now, other and, things, and it's mini driver. Other things happen. But <laughs> it is the dialogue in that movie to me is some of the best shit I've ever seen in my life. Another eminently quotable movie. There are scenes between John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd oh, God, that yeah. are legend. They and are so good. So good. Uh, But here's the funny thing about that, and we're going to get into another gentleman here quickly. This movie came out right after the Quentin Tarantino emergence. Mm. And I think everybody rushed out to make their own Tarantino film. Like, they all wanted to hop onto that. That's fair. Gross Point Blank is not that. No. It is a completely different style. It's a completely different energy. Yeah. it. I can't even explain how different it is. Right. They didn't try to. I don't know. It stands alone for me in that era. Uh, I, I I don't know. I, I I can't watch that movie enough. It, Cusack had a lot of movies like that, and still continues to do some good work. He does some weird shit sometimes, but it's um, been a minute. Uh, High Fidelity is another fantastically written um, movie, not from a dialogue standpoint, but the character development. It's another. It, it's. It's almost like Cusackian. Like a, he has these movies that yeah. are like very much him. It was a perfect marriage between the source material, right. Nick, Nick Hornsby's novel, yeah, 
and Cusack's sensibilities. Sure. It's perfect, perfect character. Yeah. And then you throw in Stephen Frears as the director and Jack Black, Jack Black just being a psycho. Just it, but in in the best Jack Black way. Not oh, the annoying no. black jack. That was Pete Black. This is when he was fucking you couldn't take your eyes off of him. I'm sorry, but it went downhill from high fidelity. He had some good moments in other movies, but it's very few and far between. School of Rock for I what it School was was I a th- perfect little movie. That is like if you have a kid, it's yeah. like a, such a hyper watchable yeah. movie. And it had Joan Cusack in it. So there's a Cusack thread. Oh, look at Love you. It. Love it. You're going to uh, be great on the new podcast. Thanks, buddy. Um we got a little bit into horror. Got a few films in that that we feel you brought up one that was genius, that it's a genius movie, but uh, let the right one in, the Swedish, the original version. Um, Powerfully written movie. Uh, Basically centered around two kid actors. Yeah. Um, And the way it was written and what was written was, uh, I mean, nothing short of magical. It's an amazing movie. An- another adaptation. There was right. a source ma- source novel sure. for that, which I never read because I haven't read it. I have a hard time with translations. Like it's never. It doesn't click. I you always feel like I'm missing language. something. Well, because they there you are missing something because when I say oh I went out and you know slipped on some wood, to you that means nothing. To them that's denoting a specific type of thing that happens when you slip on wood or whatever, you know? And you never know what an author's style is. They could be writing in their own sense of timing and meter Mm -hmm. that you lose in the translation. Right. You know what I mean? That's a great, somebody, that's a great adaptor, right? Somebody who's a great screenwriter can take that. Can find that. And find the, the heart of that, which I never read the book either, but the movie is... Let the right one in is one of the most heartbreaking, horrifying, for different reasons, tragic yet beautiful. And it's about vampires, and it's one of the best vampire movies ever made. Yes, um, scared and, and a movie that was not of its time. No, that is a timeless story. But it was taking place, I believe, in the seventies. Right, it was. Yeah. but it could take and the remake. Was more modern. Was more modern. Yeah, it was like the American yeah, remake, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was like you mentioned, not a bad fucking not movie. Bad. Man. It was just pretty different. good. It's, it's apples and oranges. Yeah, it's not the same movie, but it doesn't mean it was bad. Right. They had some more CG, and whereas the original Swedish version, like there was only a couple moments that even showed blood, but there wasn't <laughs> a ton of and the, overt violence in it. The worst CG <laughs> that I've ever seen in a movie. What? In Let the Right One In. The new one? No, the old one. Which part? This movie's almost perfect. Almost perfect, yeah. There's a scene that involves CGI cats. Oh, God, yeah. Which is so profoundly (laughs) hurtful and hard to watch. It is so bad. We're laughing because it's fake. Shut up. Yeah, they made it with... $47 $47 and a right. fucking heart full of dreams. Amen, You know brother. what I mean? And they killed it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, the, the other ones we were talking about, two of my favorites, we've talked about it. I'll talk your ear off about this movie, but is Hereditary. Um, <sighs> is an example of a really well-written movie, like very smart movie, made even better by the performances. We had the aforementioned Gabriel Byrne. Um we also had who what's the kid's name? Uh the kid, the 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 son. What's in, his name? In which film? Hereditary. Oh, cry. What's I, his name? I, I'll look it up. But, but yeah. We have our treasure of the world, the Australian princess, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Uh giving one of the finest horror performances of all time. I put her I put her performance with this up against I mean we're gonna. We also talked about The Shining. I, I put Tony Collette's performance on par with Jack Nicholson in The Shining. It was that good. Um, what's his name? Yeah, um, Peter or Alex Wolf. Alex Wolf. That's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. that's a kid with the mole. For all of you, but so tremendously written and brought to a different level by the quality of acting. She should have. Been nominated. We always talk about this. I know. We, we talk, talk about, about this, this so many times. I mean, she should have won 
everything. Everything. Nothing there was, that year came close. There was not a performance that even could sniff the zip code of that. No. Um, no. But uh, we talked Shining, legendarily well directed. Now, interesting written. one. Okay. So we're talking about some adaptations and how yes. hard that is. Yeah. How about a filmmaker who is so, and I, I say this with all due respect. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. So fucking confident and full of himself. And have his head up his own ass? Is to completely basically take three or four good ideas from the original source there material. Was a, there, I think There's more being, to I it. I think you're there being are, a little hyperbolic. I, I know, but I'm fine with it. He created a film, a film that almost had nothing to do with the source material. To the extent that Stephen King How so? has disavowed and hates the character, he created a a, a different arc for the main character. Right. Yes, uh, he did. He, but the the, the hotel, setting is the same. The, the psychosis. Yes. The family structure. The claustrophobia. The claustrophobia. Yeah, of course. He, he actually Kubrick left out a lot of supernatural shit. Yeah. He, he left did. it out. He wanted to make it more of a character driven. A character-focused film rather yeah. than leaning on the paranormal. But my point being, that film is kind of perfectly written. In my opinion. that's It's exquisite. It, it made Shelley Duvall palatable. Passable. Yeah. As Sean would say. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what she did to hurt him in a past life. God, he But Sean Moe's Kelly Duvall problem is, yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Um, that's another great one. We brought up older ones. You brought up a great example of a movie that's not written well, but that is made transcendent by the performance and the director. Okay. Animal House. Oh, yeah. That's a... There's no screenplay. There's right? no screenplay. There it's couldn't have been. Do what you want. That was basically... An episode of Saturday Night Live without commercials. For an hour and a half. It was For an, an hour, hour and a half, half long skit. Because there's no, I mean, there's hijinks that connect to other hijinks. Hijinks, but it's hijinks. But it's mostly just vignettes. Granted. This is what happened that night. Yeah. And then we did this thing. <laughs> and we're still in trouble. And it was so fucking funny. It's one it of the so better good. comedies ever made. Yeah, it um, created a, an entire, well, unfortunately, created Porky's. an entire genre of bullshit movies. Yes. Porky's, uh, <laughs> PCU. Oh, PCU, which, we can, can we do a Jeremy Piven hate session yes. one of these days? Yes. Because fuck that guy. I'll do a whole episode. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck um, that guy. We talked about like old fuck school. Fuck Entourage. I know. Dude, fuck Entourage, dude. I know if Sean Moe was here, he'd be like, it's pretty um, good. <laughs> um, Dog Day Afternoon, old school Ooh, movie. Okay, that was so well written and meaningful, and and made transcendent by the performances in it. Um, we can go on and on and on about this, but um, it's I don't think the writers and the adapters and um, as much as we, I mean, I, you notice we didn't really talk about Tarantino. I brought up Inglorious Bastards and Reservoir Dogs would be my two very dialogue-driven um, movies, especially Reservoir Dogs. There's when you think about it, that's there's not a lot going on in Reservoir Dogs except dudes in a room. Well, and what do you think is his most well-written film? <sighs> You Everything wanna, in balance. You want to say pulp? That's so dialogue driven. Which is what we're talking Which about. Which is fine. But the aesthetics, I mean, as a film, like I said, you could take on any given day, I could change my mind. Yeah. But um, there's something about Inglorious from a dialogue point. Um, it's perfect. Christopher Vault in perfect. the beginning. It's one of the best monologues ever done on fucking film. Um, it's hard to put. You brought up Hateful Eight as a movie you don't like. Hate. Right. But <laughs> you were still willing to give it credit for some of the dialogue, correct? Sure. I mean, it's Tarantino, and you have really good actors. Always. Jennifer Jason Lee has some great moments in Always. it. Always. Kurt yeah. Russell is Kurt Russell. It's Kurt Russell. You know, right up until he kills him 10 minutes into the fucking movie. <laughs> Sam Jackson is in every movie. And awful. 
in that movie. <laughs> and awful in he that is movie. Awful. He was great in, in Django, movie. though. So it's he was fine. great in it Django. It balances. Up. He was so bad in Hateful Eight. <laughs> I think it's his worst performance. That's was it worse than unwatchable? Uh, was it Snakes on a Plane bad or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go go try to discover some of the films we talked about if you haven't seen them. Uh, we would love for you to contact us and let us know what we forgot. And trust me, guys, there's been 100 years of Hollywood and 100 years of also international films. We did not name every good written movie. No, uh, tell us not. what a good written movie is for you. But we're going to take a break and Bobby's going to come back with the call to arms. Um, and I got a little feedback from our friend Bustos. So, oh, beautiful! From last week's episode. fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. then we're gonna we're gonna jump back into that, and then we're gonna we're gonna give you some music, some wordsmithery. Hey, kids! Are you super cute but can't read? Are you tired of all these f-ing liberal toys? Hey! Introducing Bobert Barbie. The first doll protected by the Second Amendment. Each Bobert Barbie comes with her own Glock pistol, concealed carry holster, and a selection of three Bobert mugshot trading cards. And that's not all. Maybe you've heard of a Kung Fu grip? Well, Bobert Barbie has a grip on absolutely nothing. Reading, decency, race, reality, none of it. And just like U.S. Representative Lauren Bobert, all of her parts are plastic. Bobert Barbie, available exclusively at the Wild Horse Saloon. <laughs> Guys, you can reach out to the Whiskey Reel at 970-426-5344. Next victim. 970-426-5344. Send us a text message. Send us a voicemail. We love you guys when you do it. You can also reach us via long form at whiskeyreel at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you use. I think Apple's the only one that actually does the a rating. The rating. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but you all have iPhones. So, so shut just up. do it. Get with it. We got a touch of feedback on another platform. We are hosted on SoundCloud. Shout out to SoundCloud. And our top follower on that platform is good friend of the podcast, Mr. Bustos, Mr. Iron Slaughter. Iron Slaughter. That's uh, Sean Moe's boy. Very talented MC. Bay Area, right? He's got he's got bars, dude. Bars. He's got some bars. Bars. Um, we talked last week about our childhood movies, and he wanted to throw out, one, the fact that we were wrong. and sean brought this up as well uh we were not talking about flight of the navigator we were talking about the explorers i know whatever we're old and befuddled what do you want and then he brought up another film night of the creeps nice which i think is a really really fun uh sort of meta ahead of its time yeah horror comedy yeah it's and it's ridiculous and it's been aped a couple of different times sure you know and uh, that's a movie that definitely needs to be seen and be talked about but that brought up another movie (laughs) well yeah because i misread it and i told aaron oh bustos wants to talk about night of the comets ah (laughs) which is so weird it's such a weird movie but i remember as a kid enjoying the shit out of it absolutely it's a zombie apocalypse, but not really end times, but not really wrapped into 80s leg warmers and popped collars. It was a cool idea, first of all. Everybody goes outside to watch a comet as right. it's coming over. Right. Obviously, a Haley's Comet kind of thing. Sure. The comet goes over planet Earth and just murks everybody. <laughs> Kills everybody. <laughs> Kills everybody. <laughs> Except, Except for those, these dipshit girls. Because they were locked in like a film room. Yes. That was like lead and not exposed to the... And basically kind of valley girl... 100%. You know, prototypes, sure, I guess. Sure, sure. Uh, then they go on a shopping spree and they're just, you know... 
trying on new clothes and they're trying driving cars and doing the whole thing. Turns out the comet also created some zombies, <laughs> some mutants or whatever you <laughs> yeah. want to call it. Maybe they were mutants. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, that's a lot of fun. That's a really fun movie. Yeah, go try to watch it again. We, I, I got to watch it again to see whether or not it holds up. It probably doesn't. I haven't seen it in 30 years. But it's years. so stupid. I remember enjoying the shit out of it. I loved I it. Loved it. So, um, yeah. Bustos, thank you so thank much. Thank you, Bubba. We love the feedback. We love making sure you guys get a shout out. So. For sure, man. Uh, you're, a, you're an absolute boss, my friend. Get on uh, board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's head into it. Um, we're going to talk a little music. And since the theme of the day is word smiths, guys that are good with their words, um, uh, I brought up, I got somebody I've never talked about on the podcast. This is a guy who's done it from the ground up. He's from the school of no major label signings, has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger as the years rolled on. Um, he's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. There's a white cat named Token, um, which is funny, obviously, Token. Uh, but um, he's had a steady list of uh, videos and singles. Uh, he just dropped his first full-length album. Very creative kid. He's definitely he's doing the work he wants to do. He's widely regarded as a serious MC. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him out there listening. He's like I said. Um, he, you can say what you want about the kid, but the kid can write his ass off. Uh, he is a lyricist, uh, very clever, uh, with his rhyme schemes, his cadences, uh, very off kilter and interesting, uh, which is always good after listening to, you know, drill and trap for hours on end. It's, <laughs> it's great to mix it up with some MCs. So this is called, I was in Hollywood. Um, by the gentleman token, so enjoy this. My first memory of a smartphone was not the hottest ringtone of the games I was always kind of schooled on. Uh, Ten years old, it was a naked women on my father's new phone. Didn't say I saw it, I always thought he knew though. Yeah. I never was too religious, always thought of God like who knows. I'd want a lot of proof shown. The only thing that was Jewish about me was my last name and the Holocaust and Jew jokes at the lunch table. I was always cool though. My job got me a bankroll, I'm not copping a lake home That ride already bait hoes, back cops walking the same road My pop taught me to hate those, fuck those I just emptied the pipe on a bitch like Drano My mom's job had her late home, so mom brought me a plate home Both my grandpas are dead, put this on top of the gravestone My grandson is a rap star, so the last name got a ring to it They both probably tripping out when they see what I bring to it what you bring to it? Wet pussy by the light behind a curtain. Paper towel wrapped around her thigh absorbing it. Uh, I'm the type who likes to learn shit. I almost left tonight to slide to her crib till she asked me what Tech 9 is like in person. I never met him. I got headed 12. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kid can rhyme, man. Yeah, he's got bars for the sure. Kid can rhyme. And he, he gets out there. He's very um, esoteric and eccentric with his rhyme schemes and his. Uh, they're not real song songs. You're not going to dance a lot to any of this. But I was going to say it's yeah. a very stripped down approach. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 instrument is his voice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I think that's really cool. And he is, some of his shit is very hilarious. Yeah, it's he he goes after it hard, dude. Yeah, I like that and a lot. and at the end it all has to do with this. This is the rest of his career is dedicated to his dad who passed away and right. it's kind of morose at the end but um very talented young man well we got another guy that <laughs> we may or may not have spoken about before jesus christ i mean we've been on hiatus from from aesop rock for a while we haven't talked about sure, it sure he hasn't had a lot of new stuff no um, but when he does, <laughs> it's going to be discussed on the Whiskey Reel. Because yes, sir. He is our dude. Yeah. We love him very much. Yeah. I, I just can't say enough about Aesop Rock. His verbal acuity is it, it's unparalleled as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's hard to find anybody who's better as a body of work. They're better songs, they're better albums from people but sure. as, a, as an entire thing yeah it's hard to um but that freeze means, freeze yeah is, freeze is I think. the track so yeah four days ago aesop rock put out a song called freeze you know what i mean yeah it took um, me a minute i i never say anything initially when i hear aesop yeah. i need a few passes so i want to listen to this again because yeah. you said you had a couple of quibbles 
I, just one major one, but yeah. it's not. I'm just being a dick. So I want to hear it again. Okay. Bitterly unruly, on mud hook of a dirty usher, dirt to the kick circus. Deflected labor at the questions, field at the field workers. Please. The ten foot pole, the baptized little minus, minus the lap ride and tease. Evolution is a leader, the leader, seeker, needy sheep, idle feeder, beware. Once complete, you might not want to be there. Dead straw to go bar, spin fire, and bound in a spin I want to hear what you have to say because I think I hear it. The, <laughs> my biggest problem, I'm, as big of an Aesop fan as as Bobby is, as any of you guys are that enjoy Aesop. He never lets me down. He's always interesting. He's always lyrically so ahead of everybody. Um, Great use of metaphor and using shit that he just flat out, like, this is a man who makes music for himself. He literally doesn't give a fuck about any of us. That being said, what's going on with the mix? Why are the vocals so buried and washed out? Like, it feels like there was so much reverb and fuzz on the on his vocal track that the music track took it over and washed out some of his words. Do you hear that? So we got to backtrack just a little bit. Okay. This is also, I don't want to say it's a remix. This is a reimagining of a track from Bazooka Tooth. Right. So... I don't know if this is the same mix. No, I but don't, it's weird. It it does. It washes out his vocals. Yeah, it washes out what he's doing. He's hard to follow sometimes. Regardless. When you can hear, dude, when you read his lyrics, it's hard to follow. It's hard to follow. He's in his own world. There was a day on the whiskey reel. We sat down and had two pages printed up of one song. Yeah. And just trying to follow that shit. It's like, what the fuck what is, is this happening? doing? <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, you're talking top five of all time as far as a pure MC in my mind. He And he's still prolific and he's still doing it. And he's still stretching boundaries. And for that, I'll be ever respectful and grateful. You know, I, we've probably talked about this before, but one of the signs of a great MC is that in the first three to five lines, you know exactly who you're listening to. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And he's one of those dudes. He's It's like Busta Rhymes. I'd 100%. Put, like where you know it's Busta. Yeah. Right? I mean, you don't need to like these people we're going to talk about, but you, you have to respect that the fact that they've carved their own niche within the context. Tech Nine. I would I would put Tech Nine sounds like Tech Nine. Um, there are specific guys for me in my ear. Q Tip, I'd put in that category. Guru sounds like Q Tip. Guru, obviously. You know, like, um, yeah. There are dudes that just sound like the dudes. Ghostface. Ghostface. Hundred percent. Ghostface is Ghostface. There's nothing you're gonna say. Look, about if you're that. not like a big fan of Wu Tang and you don't listen to it all the time. I guarantee you get confused about who the fuck is laying down tracks sometimes. Except. Except. Ghostface. Ghostface. <laughs> and ODB. Meth, ODB. <laughs> Method Man sounds like Method Man. Oh, my God. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Like, you can get lost in the fucking Capadonna. Oh, my God. Fucking You God shit. Oh, I have. You know what I mean? You're just like, wait, who the? Wait, that's You God? <laughs> it's the same guy. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. He He's carved out a distinct niche in this art form that he owns by himself. He does not share his slice of the pie with anybody. Um, yeah. I mean, it's Aesop, brother. What it's Aesop. What you want? It's about that time. All right. Let's well, do it. Should we get wise? I got to go. I got to go help out Tig serve a bunch of DJs. Yeah. No, I'm oh, no. And it's, <laughs> I'm kidding. Trust me. It's um, a bunch I, of. I, 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 that's what I figured. It's a bunch of DJs. <laughs> that's no bullshit. Uh, <laughs> um, do you have any wise words this week? Wise words. Anything that comes to mind? Yes. Okay. This week, I relearned a lesson that I've learned a hundred times. There's an old saying that uh, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Mm. And then you don't get to make the same mistake over and over again. I get that. That happened to me again this week. Person moved back into town that I had a previous situation with. 
thinking, oh, everything's going to be different this time. Nah. Same shit. Same shit. Right. Exact same person. Yeah. I'm still the same person. Sure. I bring myself into every relationship. Sure. You know what I mean? So I'll take a little heat on that too. But yeah, I mean, when you see someone for who they are and it's not a compatible situation, believe in that and stick with it. There you go. I like it. it. That's it. Um, I like that. Well, then we both learned a little something about ourselves. Um, I realize I have a very, I mean, and I knew this. I'm a very bombastic, aggressive, loud, direct, um, at times arrogant person. Um, And I have to realize that there are people that work for me that need me to be not that, that need me to be understanding, accepting, um, patient. Um, These are all patients especially is I'm not very good at. Um, I had a reminder that I need to be somebody that somebody can say something to and speak with rather than being the, being the guy that has the answers. I need to be the guy that listens to the issue instead of searching for an answer. I just simply need to listen and hear people. Um, my first, you know, I'm, I'm a fix it guy. I want to make everybody good. So I hear a problem, I immediately start throwing out solutions. Instead, I just need to listen. Um, and I've said this before on the podcast, but in relation to just making other people feel heard is very important. Uh, something I got to work on because I don't know when to shut my fat mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. No, I appreciate what you're saying. My favorite part was... At times, arrogant. (laughs) Since before recorded time, it had swung through the universe in an elliptical orbit so large that its very existence remained a secret of time and space. But now, in the last few years of the 20th century, the visitor was returning. The citizens of Earth would get an extra Christmas present this year as their planet orbited through the tail of the comet. Scientists predicted a light show of stellar proportions, something not seen on Earth for 65 million years. Indeed, not since the time that the dinosaurs disappeared, virtually overnight. There were a few who saw this as more than just a coincidence. But most didn't. (laughs) 